Hey, y'all, you're listening to the Mother Far From Home podcast with me, your host, Rachel Norman. If you desperately need a common sense, down-to-earth perspective on how to mother well without losing it, living in constant stress, or needing to escape your life, you have come to the right place. Hey y'all, I am back for the last installment of this free workshop series and it, which is getting the warm and fuzzies back with our kids. And this one is called the number one, number one to stop. Okay, my slide's not, I left out a word on my slide, but if you're just listening here on the podcast, the number one way to stop feeling at odds with your child. So let us dig in. What we're going to talk about is when kids think that we're not on their side, there's a standoff, okay? Or if we think our kids are against us, there's a standoff, all right? Usually neither of us are against each other. Of course we know we're not against our kids. We're like, oh my goodness, I'm for you and everything. And, but it can feel like we're on opposite sides and as though we're fighting against each other for something, okay? And that's like a standoff. So then we're gonna talk about cycles where we can get into where we just keep adding more and more consequences and more and more punishment. And this is a normal type of thing that can happen. Moms are like, just like, I don't even know what else to do. We're going to talk about the say what you see and they're understanding our kids' perspective. And we're never going to let them do things we don't like or do horrible things. We're not going to pretend we don't like. We're not going to pretend we're okay with things we're not okay with. No. But we're going to ha- let our kids know we understand their perspective. This goes a long way. We're going to talk about keeping our boundaries without heaviness. It's the heaviness that makes everything kind of look. And um, we're going to talk about some phrases you can use that can help get off get off of this opposing sides, okay? So how do you know if you, you feel like maybe you're in a situation where you're like, you know, feeling like you're on the other side or the kid feels like your child feels like you're not on their side? And one way to know this is, if your kids immediately act defensive as though they think you're on the offensive, right? So, or it could be vice versa. Like if you say something, they immediately go to like some kind of self-defense mode and you're like, oh my God, you're defending yourself against what, 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 you know, it's almost like you, they, it's almost like they think you're attacking them. Okay. This shows that in, that in practice, y'all both feel like you're not on each other's sides. So you have that feeling inside that's like, here we go again, they're going to resist. It's like this feeling you get in your chest, or I I don't know where it would be in your body. For me, it was in my chest. Um, When I was going to have to tell the kids something they didn't like, it was almost like I knew they were going to fight. I knew they were going to resist. I was like, I just knew it was going to end badly. And then I would just feel like sweaty, you know, my heart rate would go up and it just felt like okay, I'm about to go to war with these kids, you know, like I'm, we're about to go on the battlefield. You can also know that this is the case if you have a sense that your it just feels like your kids are the boss or like your kids are in control. And so you're having to try to take it back from them. That's another sign you might be feeling in practice like you're on each other's sides, on, on opposing sides. And if you end up having to threaten or punish. So if you end up feeling like you have to threaten your kids or punish them or just keep throwing down more and more stuff to make their life miserable so they'll decide to do the thing you want them to do, this shows you really do feel like you're on opposing sides. So the good news is you you know deep down you are on their side. 
100%. And even if you're giving them punishments or consequences or doing all, you are. You're trying to help them behave in a way that's good for them. So the goal is just that both of you then don't feel like you're needing to be defensive to each other. So how, let's talk about this. How does it feel to be on opposing sides? So you're frustrated because you know you're on your child's side. So if you if you have a situation where you it feels like your child just thinks you're against them, it thinks that you know they're like everything you tell me to do is wrong. It seems like they want to fight everything you do. This is so frustrating as a parent because you know you're on their side. You know you love them. You know you're trying to help them do the things that are going to be good for them or not do the things that are going to be bad for them. And so it just feels so frustrating and draining. And this is something you need to validate inside yourself. You just need to be like, yeah, this is how it feels. I do want the best for them. I love this child. I do all kind of stuff for this child. And still this child thinks I'm not for them. Like this is so tough. And you need to just validate that because it's true, you know. Now opposing sides can also feel annoying since your child can make simple things into a battle. It's like, can we make something more simple and straightforward into a fight? Like, could it happen? Could we try? Could we just try this? No, come on, do the simple thing, you know, like put your shoe on, you know? So how did putting a shoe on turn into a battle? It's like the mysteries of parenting. So these type of things can be annoying and they can great because it's like, I got lots more. And especially as parents were like, look, I have, I've had big problems in life, you know? I could list out my problems for you, child, but your shoe ain't a problem. Put it on, you know, and whenever we get to where we're in this cycle of kind of feeling opposing, feeling like we're on opposite sides, it, it, it perpetuates itself. One of us, which is us, the grown-ups, you know, we have to get off it because it will keep going on and on and on. And it is, it's a frustrating and it's annoying. It's also confusing. So you find yourself, what, what can many moms find themselves doing, and I call these ninja moves, and these are like silent background stealthy moves that we make to kind of jump through hoops and trick our kids into doing what we want them to do because we know there's gonna be a battle. So it's like you know your kid is gonna fight something. And so you're doing all these little tricks and maybe bribes and maybe, oh, look over here, look over here, look over here to the left. And then you just, you know, all of these things that, and we don't like to do them. Like in some ways it feels good to avoid a battle, but it's very exhausting to be mom ninjas all day long because you're basically, you know, you're basically in essence, just tricking your kid into hopefully not arguing with you. And this feels it almost feels, and I have been there and done that, so this is, you know, that's clearly. Um, clearly, I know what I'm talking about. That's how I can give these things names. And so years ago when I went through this, it also felt demeaning to me. It felt like I shouldn't have to do all this for my kid to just put their flipping shoe on, you know? And so it, it is a draining thing when we get in that spot. But if you find yourself doing all these ninja moves, you know you're in a spot where you feel like you're kind of at war with your kids. In another way, you feel hopeless because you feel like you just keep losing it. I'll tell you, it, it's moms who yell a lot. It's not like everything's great and you yell, you weirdo. No, that's not how it works. Moms yell when things never seem to go their way. Kids never seem to listen. And when there's high stress and mom feels out of control. So the goal is not to just like develop more discipline to not yell. The goal is to zoom back enough that you real that you manage things in a way that doesn't make you need to yell. I go into this more in the second class in this workshop series, which you can find linked um, 
below in either the show notes or on the page. But also, you could just Google a Mother Far From Home podcast. Um, your kids meet their own needs, and that'll come up. So I need you to, you know, validate these feelings that you're having because if you're mad at yourself for how you're feeling, you're just going to get more and more frustrated. And big key, if you are mad at yourself for how you're feeling, you're going to end up in self-defense with yourself. I don't know if this makes sense. Okay, so your child is arguing about, say, the shoe. You're frustrated because this is a stupid thing to argue about. Now it's taking a lot of energy and now the warm and fuzzies are gone and it's just a flipping shoe right well if you get mad at yourself and you're like I shouldn't even be mad about a shoe then what happens is you actually are invalidating yourself like this is I think I'm gonna go too far I don't want to okay but it just means you will you will get even more frustrated because it, it's true things are annoying and if you try to make yourself feel bad for being annoyed you just get even more annoyed it's kind of like if you're hungry and then you're like I'm not hungry I'm not hungry it's like you fixate on what you're not eating you get starving it's that same principle I don't want to keep talking about that and confuse us but just know you need to make yourself right don't make yourself wrong now I'm not talking about moral things but I just mean in the way that you're feeling what you're feeling makes sense okay let's talk about what doesn't work Let's talk about what maybe even can make it worse. Whenever we're feeling at odds with our kids on opposite sides and battling, there are some things that it kind of seems like it might work, and it can kind of work in some ways, but overall it doesn't. And that is escalating consequences and punishment. So what can happen is you're like, okay, child, do this chore. And the child's like, no. And then, it, okay, well, if you don't do the chore, you lose this. Oh, well, you lose this, you lose this, you lose this. So what happens is whenever you're kind of keeping escalating and heaping on the consequences and the punishment is that your child, even when they don't want to and don't like this idea, they dig their heels in. Because what this can do is it robs them of some dignity. Because now they've said no. They've said they don't want to. Things are getting out of control. But now in order to maintain their own dignity, they're, I'm not saying this is true. I'm just saying this is how they're going to feel. They're going to feel like, well, I can't give up now. I've gone this far. Does that make sense? That's what it feels like in us. And it'll feel the same way to you. You'll feel like, well, I can't revert now. I've done gone this far. I've taken away their iPad and the toys and their soccer and their visit was with the grandma. Like, I've gone this far. I can't stop. And that's how they're going to feel. So you're both going to be digging your heels in when you both don't like it. So instead of doing this, it, like piling on the punishment and the consequence, we need to de-escalate the situation, okay? So more and more punishments is not really going to help. What will help is zooming back and creating, and I talked about success training in one of the other two classes in this workshop, but we need to create an environment that is going to allow them to succeed, okay, instead of heaping more and more punishments. So in the case of you asking them to clean up and they said no, then this would be, okay, so they, they don't have the self-control or willingness or whatever it is to be able to clean up a big mess. That means it's just not okay if a big mess happens, which means you don't let a big mess happen. You either remove some toys. You either stop the play before the big mess happens. You either get them cleaning up sooner or you get rid of some toys. You see what I'm saying? You're going to zoom back and you're going to make that problem that was coming way less likely to happen 
and that makes your child way more likely to succeed. So we're just not going to keep letting them come to a situation they can't handle. We're going to say they're not going to be able to do what's right in that situation and me leaving them in it to spin around and get in trouble is making them feel horrible about themselves and it's making us keep fighting. So we're going to zoom back and I'm going to make some decisions back here. It's similar to kind of like if I get a rash because I eat you know, gluten and I shouldn't eat gluten and I get a rash. Well, I can keep getting a rash and getting frustrated at my rash and scratching and treating the rash or I can just stop eating gluten and I won't get a rash. So what we often end up happening is there's a rash, we're like scratching it, we're annoyed, it hurt, we're going on and on and on, and then we're doing all this, where we should just zoom back and stop eating the gluten. So this is what I'm getting at, like zooming back, don't letting the mess happen, removing some of the toys, um, not letting them play in a main area of the house if they won't clean it up. You see what I mean? We need to zoom back and then allowing, that gives more of a chance for success to happen without a fight. So we don't want to wait. So we don't want to wait until it's too late and lose our cool. So I like to say, my friend Camilla, who's another language of listening coach, she says, intervene early. You want to intervene early. So you don't want to wait until it's too late. You don't want to be like, I hate this mess. I hate this mess. I hate this mess. I hate this mess. You nasty children. You know, like you want to write as soon as you realize I hate this mess. You want to do something. So you don't want to and that's our job. That is our job. It's our job to intervene early. So this is part of the zooming back. What can I do early to make sure that things don't get that bad? Okay. Another thing that doesn't work, oh, that's how I phrased it. Waiting until it's too late and then losing your cool does not work. More and more punishments on your kids does not work. It makes them dig their heels in even when they don't want to dig their heels in. It's like this deep sense of, of dignity that we have. I don't know if dignity is the right word self-respect almost like I can't even respect myself if I give up at this point you know you don't want to get your child feeling like they have to choose a bad behavior just to maintain their self-respect because that's not gonna work right lecturing on and on does not work kids will shut their brain on you you've got a little small window of time and if if you've started that small window of time and they feel like you're against them they shut the brain off anyway and they ain't gonna listen to lectures that ain't gonna work and another thing that doesn't work is thinking our kids don't understand our rules. I see this a lot. It's like parents are like, no, don't do this. And then the kid, I call this in general, not just with kids, like the, the stupid act. It's like when you're like, what? I, I don't get it. Huh? You know, and, you're, and it, it actually is for me personally, I get very enraged with this because I'm like, what? Are you an idiot? I'm, I don't say that. But in my mind, I'm like, yes, you do get it because they do. So this is sort of like a, almost like a, I don't want to call it a trauma response, but it's like a nervous response where when somebody doesn't know what to say or they don't know what to do and they kind of play dumb. So we don't need to think that our kids don't get our rules and then be like, remember what I told you? Remember? And then gone on and on and on about, about why. You know why it's not good to hit her? Because it hurt. And then like often parents feel so powerless, they end up like hitting their kids or biting them or scratching them just to be like, see, it hurts. But the kid knows it hurts. They're just out of control and don't know how to control themselves. You see the difference? It's like the kids know when they're doing something that isn't right. It's almost like we think they don't know, but they do. They know inside when they have done something that isn't good, or especially they know if they've done something that displeases us. They know. So don't waste your breath trying to convince a child it's bad to hit or whatever. Like they know it. And that just, it, it's, it's, it makes it heavy too. And then we feel bad. Nope. The truth is you're not supposed to do that. I'm not okay with it. 
that's it the end and if you can get to that place you feel light and airy and then you don't feel at odds against them because you don't feel like you're having to defend the truth from them you don't feel like you're having to defend justice or defend nonviolence or defend peaceful living we can get like that it's like child I'm trying to have a happy family and you're over there you just want us all to be miserable this is normal. This is how we all get when we get in this position. But of course, they don't want us to be miserable. They are also out of control and don't know how to come back. So that's why us de-escalating and just being like, not okay with this behavior, not going to let that happen. I'm going to figure out how to stop that from a light and airy place means that we don't feel at battle with them. So what does work in these situations where we're at odds with our kids? Well, one is we can do, like I've talked about before, the say what you see, which is just basically laying out there what is happening, what we think is happening um, from a child's perspective. So this is not adding judgment. It's not adding our opinions. It's just saying what happened. So for example, the, the example I gave is here is not don't be mean, but okay. So if your child is playing with a sibling or something and then they you know, yell at them or something. So if we, if when we want to say what you see, we would say, you got mad, okay? We wouldn't say you were being mean or don't be mean to your sibling. So if they're yelling and we're like, don't be mean, they feel like they're being attacked, right? Now we know we're not trying to attack them. We're actually trying to just help them to be good, calm, nonviolent members of the society, right? But they feel like we're attacked. So, and what they feel is just going to be what they think or vice versa, however that works. So we wouldn't start with, don't be mean to your sister. We would zoom back and the say what you see in this case would be like, you are really mad. You're, you're angry. You know, and if it was because the sister, I don't know, took a toy. She took your toy and it made you mad. Okay. So you want to spell out very directly and plainly where they're coming from. Remember, this is not you agreeing. This is not you saying it's okay. This is simply you proving to your child you understand where they're coming from. So your child doesn't feel like they have to defend their point of view. So they already know they did bad. Your, you know, your son's playing with his sister. He yells at her. He knows he did bad. He flat sure knows. Well, he knows that you do not like that he yelled. He knows that he wished he wouldn't have yelled, but he did it, right? You don't need to come in and be like, don't yell. Like it's over. He already yelled, right? What say what you see does is it proves to your child. You understand where they're coming from. You were playing happily. Something happened and you yelled and they'll be like, yeah. And then they'll tell you what she did. So-and-so she made you so mad that you yell again. I'm not saying it's okay to yell. Obviously it isn't, but I'm proving to my child. I understand where they're coming from. This is de-escalation because then the child is like, okay, yeah, I yelled. Yeah, I shouldn't have, but mom, you know, she understood. This is how you get back on your child's side and they start to feel like you're on their side, right? They know, you know, or say your child hit, say the son actually just hit your daughter, you know? Of course you don't think hitting is okay. But a say what you see might be, you got so mad you hit. 
You just lost total control. You weren't even thinking and you just hit her. This is true. You know it's true. So we really, moms, we somehow really resist saying the thing that we know it's true because it feels like we're condoning it, but we're not. We're just saying what's true, right? So you got so mad, you just lost total control and you hit her. And the child will probably be like, yes. So the, the issue is not that the child doesn't know hitting is wrong. Of course they know hitting is wrong. We don't need to prove to them. We don't need to show them. We don't need to lecture them. They know it. What they don't know how to do is in the moment control themselves, right? That is where we get to. I bet you wish you had a better way to figure out what was, you know, to solve that problem than hitting. And then your child might say, yeah, well, that's the nothing will work but hitting. Ah, okay, so nothing works with your sister. If you guys are fighting, literally nothing will work except you hit her. And then it's like, well, well it's because basically they'll give you more and more info until you, until you get what's actually happening and you're on their side. Because when we just say things like, don't hit, don't do this, don't do that, we're, we're working on the surface and that's fine. We know those things shouldn't happen. But that, that can help our child to feel on opposite sides. And if, they, if we can do the say what you see effectively enough, they know we understand them and that's enough. And that's enough for them to access that part of them that is sorry they hit anyway. So then another way what does work getting back on our side, their side, is asking your child what they wish would happen and why. Because what we wish and what we want drives our behavior. So it's like, well, what do you wish would happen if you get into an argument with your sister? What do you want to happen? You might be amazed what he says. You know, and it might be something, honestly, the sister needs to know. Sometimes it can, these situations can happen where one child is losing their cool a lot, but it's actually the other child that's sort of going under the radar and getting away with all kind of crazy stuff because they're just like over there being kind of like silently flying under the, you know, under the stealth detection until they get hit. And now, of course, we want to defend them because they're the victim. So whereas if we do this, say what you see, we get to both sides. We're, then we understand the situation. Kids really know we're on our, their side when we prove to them we understand. So another thing that works is practicing nonchalance. This is so important. This is why I think it's really important you do a lot of journaling, a lot of thinking, a lot of working through all the things that are going through your mind because we can't be nonchalant when we're emotionally flooded. Nonchalant works. This is when you're just like, okay, you, 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 can, you, can, you can sort of go into any parenting situation with like, you know, confidence when you're able to be nonchalant. Okay, so we were doing okay over here and somebody hit somebody. So something made you really mad and you hit her. And then just, yeah, I mean, just, I, I'm hitting, it's kind of a hard example. I think it's kind of hard to feel a little bit nonchalant when somebody's just hit somebody else. But, in, so maybe that's not a perfect example for this, but it still stands. You still need to be nonchalant as much as you can, because if you come over there, guns blazing, especially if it wasn't something super serious, you know, and it's, it's immediately they feel like they have to defend themselves. And that's what we want to avoid, because if they feel like they have to defend themselves, we feel like we have to go defend the, you know, the good behavior. We need to attack the bad behavior they did, but they're perceiving that as us attacking them. And it's just this big dramatic cycle. And as adults, we know that's crazy because we're like, of course I'm on your side. I literally do everything for you. Do I need to itemize out all that I do for you all day? Do you see what I do for y'all? Do jack for myself. I'm so busy doing for you. You think I'm not on your side? I'm on your side, child. Like that's how our head goes. Maybe yours is more peaceful than that, but that's the train of thought. So whenever we're able to be nonchalant and they can sense, you know, we're just, I'm just, this is just what it is. We can see their side and that doesn't make it it's that okay. They calm down. They honestly really calm down. So getting what another thing that works, the last thing I have on here is getting sure in yourself that you are for them. This is really important. So you know you're for them. 
but whenever things happen and you kind of feel at odds with them it's almost like you feel you do feel separate sided so this is whenever you just get back in touch why like and ask yourself this this is a phrase we use in language of listening like why would a good mom yell why would a good mom yell then you actually might reveal many many reasons like why would a good mom yell a good mom might yell because she thinks her kids are out of control. A good mom might yell because she's worried one of them's in danger. A good mom might yell because she knows that if the kids don't learn to do X, Y, Z, they're going to grow up and life is going to be hard. A mom might yell because she's just so overcome with emotion and frustrated. A mom might yell because she's exhausted. Like, or, or why would a good kid hit his sister? Okay. Uh, you know, well, a good kid might hit his sister because he just lost control. A good kid might hit his sister because he was just super tired and then didn't have any other skills to use at the time to be able to get what he wanted. A good kid might hit his sister because, now I'm not saying hitting is good. Please don't quote me out of context, people. Jeez, I'm just, it's crazy I have to say this. Don't. You know, I don't think hitting is good. Um, but this is how you get on your child's side. Why would a good kid do that? A good kid would do that because they didn't mean to and they don't like it, but they, they don't know what else to do. They didn't in the moment it just happened so this is how you help kind of get back on their side inside yourself and when you do that you can be nonchalant it'll allow you to say what you see with them without feeling worried they're gonna think you're condoning it um you know like if, if a child i don't know leaves their like bowl in there Th these things bother me i'm just giving a random example like leaves their breakfast bowl in the room and i find a bowl like two days later or something you know why would a good kid do that they just forgot and they didn't see it right so don't go in don't leave your nasty bowl around you know but it's like you left your bowl in here you didn't even think about it put it up you know whatever so that's a small example that we don't but all these small examples add up when all the things we say about them are like you know make them feel like we're attacking them so the boundaries without heaviness this is a big aspect you want to dig into why you feel powerless with your boundaries if you're feeling powerless with your boundaries or you feel like you can't hold rules and they won't listen you need to dig into why this is just very important you need to understand it's your responsibility to keep your boundaries now this might seem like a burden but it actually brings you a lot of peace because imagine this you're like okay these are all my boundaries these are all the things that it's not okay if they happen but now it's just up to everybody else to do them. Talk about powerlessness because then you can't, like, you, maybe they decide not to or whatever. No, 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 no. You hold your boundary. So if your boundary is the house, this is just an easy one. The house is not a big mess. You're the one that has to organize and make sure that doesn't happen. Now, I'm not saying you have to do it all, but you're the one that makes sure it doesn't happen, right? So you're the one that's like, okay, you do that, you do that, you do this, we all do this, we get it clean. It's always gonna fall on you. The weight of the responsibility of who keeps the burden is on us. This is why if we tell our spouse, make sure the kids do X, Y, Z, and the spouse just doesn't because he doesn't actually care as much as you do. So he's just not gonna do it. Um, it's like I had a, in the mom live mentorship last round, I had a mom, and this is funny, she was like, can you tell me how you can get your husband on board with your own boundaries? And I was like, if I could do that, I'd be a billionaire. If I could figure out how to get husbands to just do whatever we wanted. No. And vice versa. Like, if we have a boundary we really care about and our spouse doesn't, they're just not going to do it most of the time because they don't care. Which is why we have to, if we are in touch with and have our boundaries, we have to set it up for success to happen. It's actually our job. And when we've done that, you'll be amazed 
at how actually the kids just come along and do it. My boundaries that I'm very clear on inside myself that I know this is happening. Like, I don't care what everybody in this house says. This thing right here is happening. They just do it. There's just no fight because they know it. It's pointless. It's like the wall that we talked about in the other workshop series. So in order to get your boundaries more and neutral without heaviness or to get them more light without heaviness, you just need to make them neutral. It just is how it is. In this house, we just do XYZ, right? In this house, this is just how it happens. Like, I'm just not okay with that. I'm the grown up, you know, later you and I even joke with my kids later, you're going to call me. Like I got some weird things that we don't do in our house or that we do, you know, I'm like, Oh, later you're just going to call and be like, mom, guess what I'm doing? And I'm going to laugh because I'm going to be like, you're a grown up. You do you. But when you're under my roof, this is what we're doing. And they don't care. This is the thing. It, they don't mind. Kids understand that they are children and that they're taken care of and responsible for by loving, benevolent parents. They get it. And whenever you're neutral about it, whenever you're like, this is just my boundary. We just, you know, we can't snack all day. It's just not happening. I'm not okay with snacking all day. I, I, I we eat too much. I, we go through too much of the groceries. I find food. Every, I just don't like it. We're just not going to do it. We're just not going to snack every day. We're just going to have two set snack times and that's all we're going to do. I feel neutral, right? You might be like, you know, that too much is micromanagement for me. I'm okay with my kids. What I do is I set out their snacks for the day or like in the fridge. And once they're gone, they're gone. And that's okay. They can eat them right after breakfast if they want. And that's what I like. You can do that with light airiness. Either of those will work because your kids will just be like, okay, this is how we do things. So what, what makes it not work and what makes it hard is when you're not okay with what you want. If you're not okay with what you want to happen, then you are agitated inside yourself and it brings a level of agitation. Whereas when you're able to just be like, this is just what we do. Um, yeah, this is just how we do it. Then that's just how it happens. And then the kids are just like, okay, kids know how to do this. This is why they can act one way at home. They can act another way at grandma's. They can act another way at school. They can act another way at church because kids intuitively at know what is expected of them in various places and they can rise to that that is why often kids will go to school and be fine and come home and be horrible or be great at home and go to grandma's and be horrible it's like well they can do different things at different places and they know it they know it so the phrases okay i've gone 29 minutes i'm gonna wrap this up these are good phrases for if you feel like and you know your child feels like you're on opposing sides okay these are great say what you see type of phrases now the first one is you want me to know how that feels. So like sometimes this is a good one if a kid lashes out. So for example, if you're like, um, you know, you, you, okay, that's it. No, we're leaving the park now or whatever. And your child's like, I hate you. You know, they, they're trying to punish you. And you're like, ah, oh, you want me to know what it feels like. You must think I hate you. Something like this. Okay. Or, you know, if a child says something mean back to you and you're just like, oh, you want to pay me back for that. You're mad at me. You can just say these things. I mean, it's, it's just your life will change when you realize you can say the things your kids are thinking. It is. And it doesn't mean you agree. <laughs> like, are you, does this mean that you're saying revenge is good? No, no. You're just saying what's already happened though. Okay. Or you can say, oh, you want to fight with me. You want to fight. Now, this is a bit, you might not like to say that one. Don't say anything you don't like, but and this will often, I'm trying to think of a kid that I would say, oh, you want to fight with me? It's like, I don't want to fight. I just want you to do what I want to do. Like I have one of my children will say this. He's like, I just want to be my own boss, you know? And I'm like, you just, you want to be your own boss. He's like, yeah, you're a horrible mom. This is my child with ADHD. We, we've way, way 
gotten his behavior under control, but when he really loses it, he'll say stuff like this. And I'm like, oh, you think if you had different parents, it would be easier. Yeah, if I had a mom and let me do what I want. Man, you think there would be a mom out there and she would let you do whatever you wanted and life would be better over there, you know? And then he's like, I don't want a different mom. I just want to be able to do this, you know? And then if it's something that makes sense, fine, we do it. If it's not, oh, well, that's just how life works. We can't do that, you know? But he feels understood and he was then allowed to air out his feelings because I was okay with it and I didn't freak out, you know? And it didn't threaten me. Like, I'm like, well, okay, you can go find another mom. She'd send you back. No, I mean, I would never say that. But, you know, I know a lot of hard work. You got no idea how patient your mama is, you know? Another thing you can say is you're mad at me. But you want to match their tone. So, like, if they're really angry, you don't want to be like, you're mad at me. Because then that'll make you even more mad. You know, it kind of feels condescending. If they're really angry, you can say, you're mad at me. You're very angry with me. You can say that because it's clearly true, right? This helps your child feel understood. And when you say it in a way that isn't attacking them, it's simply just reflecting reality. They might even not understand that's what it is, right? And then they can say, yeah, I'm mad. Yeah, you're just really mad. You're angry. You're angry at me. You don't want to do what I've said or whatever it is. You wish I wouldn't have done this or you just wanted to do this and I wouldn't let you and you're mad. That's it. That is literally it. They will reveal their feelings when you do this. Okay, this really is, um, I, I, has, I feel like I use life changing a lot and that just makes it water it down. But when I say that, I mean to say it changed my life when I realized this and it changed my inner life as well. So I hope that you have enjoyed this, this free series and that you get a lot out of it. And I will talk soon. As always, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. You can find me on my website, A Mother Far From Home, and on YouTube under the same name. If you like this podcast, I'd love it if you could write a five-star review, and it'll help all the algorithms to get it in front of other moms who benefit from this encouragement. Until next time, keep it real out there, mama.